It is Friday, October 21st. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. Thursday Night Football kicks off week seven of the NFL. And a blockbuster trade in the NFL. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Arizona Cardinals 42, New Orleans Saints 34. The the Saints go down thanks to Andy Dalton's poor night. Blockbuster trade in the NFL. The 49ers acquiring Christian McCaffrey from the Carolina Panthers. And the Houston Astros take a 2-0 lead in the ALCS. What is the Vegas lead? I think we start with the Christian McCaffrey trade because it's going to have the biggest impact across the NFL. And this is a, I don't want to call it a fleece job because Christian McCaffrey is that good of a player. Yeah. But the 49ers gave up a ton of draft picks to move up and acquire Trey Lance in the draft. And now they give up a ton of draft capital to bring in Christian McCaffrey. Certainly seems like a pushing the chips all into the middle type play. Does it sound familiar? The Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, last year. And ironically enough, according to Rappaport and Adam Schefter, the team that the 49ers, or the the other team in on Christian McCaffrey with the 49ers was the L.A. Rams that makes trying sense. to get Christian McCaffrey. Well, it makes sense because their running back situation is totally, totally in flux. But I thought Jeff Wilson was doing a nice job for the 49ers. He was, but listen, what this does is this opens up your offense. Like, you're right. Jeff Wilson's fine. Jeff, but Jeff Wilson is a, he, I would say he's probably, for, for an NFL running, a starting running back, mm-hmm. Even what he's been doing, he's a bottom 10 running back. Christian McCaffrey is a game-changing weapon when he's healthy. Now, that's the big caveat here is... It's it, a, it is a risky play. It is, but the the upside is tremendous. I love this move for the 49ers because uh, uh, this team is... They're not in a position where they can tank because they already lost those assets for Trey Lance. They Like, they have... Those are gone. The Trey Lance experiment it was mm-hmm. a failure. I, I don't know at this point. McKenzie, I'll ask you, what would you put the odds on that, that Trey Lance ever plays a game for the San Francisco 49ers again? Oh, hi. I'd say it's 60% that he's the starter next year. Really? Yeah. Even wow. if Garoppolo leads them to the playoffs and, and maybe a similar postseason run th- uh, from last if year. If it's a similar postseason run, then definitely. Because he was very bad, Garoppolo, against the Packers. He was not great. Against the Rams, so we need we need. I mean, that's what we we made it to, we made it close, but we need to be better. Well, listen, McKenzie knows his team better than I do. I'd be I would be surprised if if Trey Lance ever came back and played for the Niners. I I just it feels like reportedly he's in every meeting still. I don't know if that's just you know good PR. I'm not saying it's a lock. I'm just saying more than fifty percent in my opinion. What but what this does is it says okay, we've got to put the Trey Lance trade behind us mm-hmm. because whatever happens now, like you haven't gotten enough playing time out of Trey Lance that this can be a good deal. Yeah. That's a bad deal. They said, okay, let's move on and let's still try to win in spite of this. And I love that. I, and uh-huh. this is a, it, it is a big balls play because if they do not have the kind of year that they had last year or better, 
this looks even worse because now, like, how do you build your team after this? Well, that's so, the issue that I have is, Mackenzie, what does the draft, the draft stock look like now for the 49ers moving forward? In the 2023, the Niners have almost no picks. I'm resisting saying we do. One-third and one-fifth. In 2024, it's back to normal. We do have our first-round pick. We did trade away our fifth in 2024. I think you should uh, point out why the 49ers have a 2023 third-round pick. Because Mike McDaniel, (laughs) Yaley, happens to be African-American, African-American, and uh, he was traded to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, He was was acquired by the Miami Dolphins, and they acquire a third-round pick. That's how the uh, new minority coaching compensation rules work. Now, if he had been... Full black? Would they have gotten a second rounder? I think. I think. I think we should have. I think that's how it should work. <laughs> but no. And McCaffrey's under contract for a few more years, right? Yes, he, he signed a big contract. Yeah. Let me get the exact details of that. Yeah. So this is a this is a long term buy, which again is a a risky move, given McCaffrey's health history, which is let, let's just say it how it is is very shaky but he's he's signed through 2025 Mm -hmm. so this is the long-term move for the 49ers here although there is a potential out after 2023 2024 it gets it gets cheaper to move on from him uh you're not moving on from christian McCaffrey. but here's the deal you've got christian mccaffrey up till his age 30 season Mm -hmm. how long do you want a running back for until, until their age, their 30, age yeah. 30 season, and then you want to have nothing to do with them. So it actually was it, it works out well for the 49ers here. It's just it ha, it has to pay dividends on the field. Let's talk I, about the offensive fit. McKenzie, with a with a Christian McCaffrey, we know he's so valuable in that short passing game, right? A lot of screen passes, wheel routes out of the backfield. He's such a dynamic receiver that having him in an offense that utilizes a lot of running back yep. passes is where he's best suited. Does that fit for the 49ers? Absolutely. He's multiple. And nobody in the Niners, nobody besides the Niners, uses more motion or getting people in different positions. A tight end goes out wide or a tight end goes into the backfield. Nobody does that more than the Niners. And now Christian McCaffrey, he might line up in the backfield with 20 seconds to go. Who knows where he's going to be with five seconds to go before the ball snapped. He could be in the tight end position, out wide. And a lot of flat screens, a lot of bubble screens for the 49ers wide receivers is you know a big part of their offense. Will they continue to use Kyle Juszczyk? Are you kidding? The Harvard grad? Yeah, I think, I think they, they've the got even more fullback, use for him now. Yeah, exactly. The best fullback in the game will be blocking for does, does this uh, impact? How does this impact Debo Samuel's usage? Uh, probably less runs. Yeah. I mean, we were talking in the summer about he was going to receive the ball less. And that prop is looking good as under-receiving yards and run the ball a little bit more. Now I think it's going to switch a little bit back to him being more of a traditional wide receiver. So, but, well, so you, you're if talking we, if we can get I'm just asking if we can get a uh, updated season prop on Debo Samuel rushing yards, we we hammer the under, right? I would think so. Yeah, if you can find one of those, I don't, I don't know how how rare those are. Do they update? Maybe, maybe like they do that occasionally during a team's bye week, but I I I don't know. Uh, what I would say is the 49ers have a bunch of very versatile weapons which makes their their offensive potential almost unlimited mm. uh McCaffrey can do a lot of different things Debo Samuel can do a lot of different things George Kittle can do a lot of different things it's it's a real it's and when you've got a guy like Shanahan who I I believe is one of the the better offensive minds in football 
I'm excited to see what happens with this 49ers offense. I'm excited he's to see not, what he puts it puts into this. He's not playing this Sunday against the 49ers, right? I wouldn't expect him to play this Sunday. Uh, against the Chiefs, I wouldn't I mean, think yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, against the Chiefs, yeah. A good, no. a good comp with a couple more days to prep is Robbie Anderson. He played like, you know, 10% of the snaps. That was the Cardinals receiver they acquired. But then again, I mean, if you shoot him up and you just use him sparingly and just say it's a handoff to the right or a handoff to the left, those are pretty simple plays and you just let him do his thing, right? He doesn't really have to know the playbook that much to go in there and get handed the ball off. Or, and hey, his dad is Ed McCaffrey. Nobody knows the Shanahan system better than Ed McCaffrey. Nineties <laughs> Broncos, and he true. is the, he's very popular in the Bay Area. Obviously, was a star at Stanford, so I'm sure he's going to sell a lot of 49ers jerseys there. Let's talk about how rare it is for a superstar type player to be traded in season. Last time we had a trade of this magnitude, 2018, Amari Cooper gets traded for a first-round pick from Dallas, uh, or excuse me, from the Raiders to the Cowboys. Before that, you go back to 2010, and it was Randy Moss for a seventh. Straight cash, homie. A seventh-round <laughs> pick New England gets, and uh, Minnesota, or excuse me, Minnesota gets Randy Moss. And then before that, you go back to 2008, Roy Williams. 1989 Herschel Walker, 1987 Eric Dickerson. Like it, this doesn't happen. It's it is players like this do not get traded in season. To me, this is a a real damning, you know, finger to point at the Carolina Panthers. They oh, this is this is complete admission that they are in tank mode. They are in full out tank mode. They are not going to win five games this season. What they have one win right now. They are completely going in tank mode. And when I say tank mode, no player takes the field and is not trying to win. Except Sam Darnold. That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Every player to a man is going out there and giving it their all. This is their livelihood that's on the line and literally their lives. But the organization cannot put you in a position to succeed. And that's what's happening here with the Carolina Panthers. The organization is not putting them in a position to succeed. They've already fired the head coach. The interim coach then goes and fires the offensive coordinator. The interim coach sends away Robbie Anderson. Now they trade away Christian McCaffrey. They say they're going to hold on to DJ Moore, but if a team comes a call with a good offer, they might part ways with him. Yeah, they say DJ Moore is a foundational piece. <laughs> yeah, I'll, be- I'll believe that when there's, a, when there's a, a better offer on the table. I think that this organization is just saying, hey, go out there, boys. Let's, you know, try your hardest. We're not going to give you any resources. This is the team that you have, but that's about it. I'll say this. Last night, Fez texted me and was like, Get Tampa Bay first half minus six and a half minus one fifteen ASAP as much as you can, <laughs> and my book wouldn't allow that. Like mm-hmm. my my book had the the best number I could find was minus seven even money, uh, and they limit and that was in the first half uh, against Carolina this week. They limited me to to a two hundred dollar bet. So I think it's one of those situations where the books got wise to it pretty oh, quickly. Of First half, uh, you can still on DraftKings right now. I'm seeing a six and a half. At w- minus what? One fifteen. Oh, are you sure about that? I'm looking at the screen right now. Wow. You want to pull that, a Fez that bet? won't be there this afternoon. My that, bet is that will be yeah. seven flat this afternoon. Yeah. Uh, Either way, I still think seven seven's good. Yeah, I mean that's what Fez said. Seven even money, great. So, and McKenzie just noted you put up on our screen here on uh, season win total. 
as of yesterday was four and a half. It's off the board everywhere right now. So you can't, mm. you, you can't even bet the Panthers to lose, you know, right now. It's, it's just not fair. Uh, I think Fez, we did the Fezic Focus podcast yesterday on RJ Bell's Dream Preview feed. And he said, you can go out. Oh, I think he said this on our show yesterday. The Panthers, not to make the playoffs, yeah, Panthers minus 1,600. He's like, is the safest bet ever. You like can't... a CD, certificate of deposit. That's so, what he said. Okay, now there was a tweet, and what do you think uh, it is now? Two thousand, twenty five hundred. If they let you bet that, they're just asking for you know Yeesh. a certificate of deposit to be yes. deposited. Yes. So this was great. Somebody tweeted at at us and had talked about how or had sent the tweet that Darren Ravel uh, had sent out. That a better at Caesar Sports wagered eighty thousand dollars on the Carolina Panthers to not make the playoffs. That would win five thousand dollars. Somebody was listening to and our show. They did took he a, have a pompadour? That the, the, the tweet came in and said, "Looks like someone listened to the podcast." Right. Where, <laughs> where is Steve Fezzik, a seven stars member? Oh wait, hmm. Caesars. <laughs> you know, it's listen, and now the bet would be even. It wouldn't even pay off that much. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, because the odds of them to not make the playoffs after this trade probably just completely is uh, is much lower. 49ers suddenly after let's face it, let's let's call it what it is a disappointing start to the season. Suddenly feel like they are ramping up to make a run. This is I, I've always believed this is a playoff team. I think now, as as things come together throughout the season, barring more injuries, this is a team that's been hit pretty hard by injury. But barring more injuries, I think this is a team that can compete to win the NFC this year. And and if I'm if I'm the Eagles, who I'm looking at everybody falling off around me, I'm like, oh, Bucks don't look that great. Mm. Oh, Packers don't look that great. Rams don't look that great. You might want to keep an eye on San Francisco. A slow start it is there's a long season ahead, friends. Seventeen games is a lot of season. Yep. Updated odds now in the NFC West. The 49ers are your favorite at minus one thirty. The Arizona Cardinals plus nine fifty coming off a big win on Thursday night football. 42-34. They down the New Orleans Saints. And this was a I mean, this this game turned hard to the right. This was a game, if you were watching this for the first, I, I don't know, 24 minutes. Can we just acknowledge, before we get into how this game unfolded, let's acknowledge that for the, uh, let's call it the seventh time this season, because there's been seven games, the Cardinals lose a first quarter. Uh, yes. or, or yeah, and and even when they were minus a half last week and it was a three three tie, they technically lost the first quarter. Uh, they did score again though in the first quarter for the second time this season, two weeks in a row. So break up the Cardinals because they're scoring in the first quarter now. But it was just the field goal. The Saints did get a touchdown. Saints had a seven three lead after the first quarter with two and a half minutes to go in the second quarter. The Cardinals trailed this game fourteen to six. They punch a touchdown in. Keontae Ingram gets a two-yard touchdown run, and then they, they get a two-point conversion. Now 14-14. Okay, how much time is left? Two minutes, 28 seconds. Ah, uh, it's not you – know, hey, we got plenty of time if we're the Saints to get us, get us down the field and at least kick a field goal before the end of the half. So what do the Saints do? They immediately throw a 38-yard pick six. Now it's 20 to they, – they, uh, they go for the two-point con- – no, they miss the extra point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rodrigo Blankenship, yeah. the fill-in kicker. So now it's 20 to 14, Cardinals. Okay, 
Well, listen, we can st- we got a minute and 50 left now. Yeah, well, let's not push it though, okay? That was a that was a bad play. We'll see what we can do on this draw- on a couple of plays, but if it ain't going for us, we'll just we'll, we'll, run, no, we'll run the half out. That's not what Andy Dalton was saying. He no. said, "You know what, Bubba? I'm going to channel my inner Jameis Winston and I'm going to throw another pick six. And he does. 56-yard interception return for Isaiah Simmons. Now 28, the two-point conversion is good, 28-14 at halftime. So a game with two and a half minutes that was 14-6 to Saints lead, you're talking about 22 unanswered points in two and a half minutes? Yeah. This is disaster, and it it never got better for the Cardinals. It never did, or for the Saints. They, they just – that took all the wind out of their sails – uh, they did have some fun late in the fourth quarter, though. Yeah, tried to make it close late, but it, it was. Listen, it, with, and I'm curious, McKenzie, when we look at the, and I, I don't know if we can do this yet. We may have to wait a couple days, but when we look at the luck factors in this, is this had to have been this should have been a Saints win, right? Yes, because even if I don't know if it should have been a Saints win, but it should have been a much closer margin. Even if you say, okay, Andy Dalton threw three turnover worthy plays, all of his picks, and one of them definitely wasn't. But even if all of his picks were just his fault. 100%. That's about minus four points on average per pick is what we expect, four and a half points. They lost like 10 points per touchdown because they went from being on offense to losing seven points. So each of those picks were like a touchdown worse than expected, uh, even if we consider the, all of them turnover-worthy plays. Yeah, and you're right. The first pick six was a really bad break. The receiver just can't hold on Bobble, to the ball, yeah. pops up in mm-hmm. the air, and it goes back the other way. So uh, a big win for the Cardinals, who absolutely needed it. I think it was their first win in nine games at home. Uh, so they moved to three and four saints dropped to two and five. And I think now like all the talk about, well, is Andy Dalton, is he going to, is he going to keep this job when Jameis comes back? No, it's I don't think so. Do you expect Jameis to come back next week? It'll be an, he's got 10 days off now. I think you got to push him to, yeah. I, I mean, if, if he's physically capable to, so to I, go, I think you have to, I got a little theory here and, and, and maybe this is a conspiracy theory. But that's okay, because I get a little kooky sometimes, AJ. Whenever you have a situation where conversation is shifting about who should be the starting quarterback, we fade that team. Okay. Last week, Dallas Cowboys, Cooper Rush is rolling along. Dak Prescott's coming back, and people have the audacity to say maybe Cooper Rush should keep this job. Fade the Dallas Cowboys because you know Cooper Rush was not going to have a good game because Dak is ready to come back. Yeah. How about this game? We look at the Saints. Should Andy Dalton keep this job over Jameis? Do you think the other nope. Saints are aware that, like, hey, if, maybe if we don't play that bad, at least our guy Jameis Winston's back in the saddle? Like, Dak Prescott's got to have more fans in the Cop- Cowboys locker room than Cooper Rush at this point. So maybe it helped, it hurts their motivation a bit. Well, I'm going to give you another one, boys. It's coming. Monday night, Bailey Zappi. Should he get the job? Should he start over Mac Jones? Mac's ready to come back next week, maybe? The Bears are going to beat the Patriots, and Zappi's going to have a crap game, and it's going to be (laughs) time (laughs) for Mac Jones to come back. I I mean, I think another another game where that's going to be a conversation is the Pittsburgh game. Uh, Is I mean, Mr. Trubisky plays well after Kenny Pickett leaves the game, does, does he take over? So I, I think that question happens more often than we think. But, I mean, it, it, here's the question. Do we think that, like, for instance, 
the Marquez Colston or Marquez Callaway, pardon me, was like, you know what? If I pop this ball up in the air, <laughs> James maybe, will come maybe back. we get Jameis back. I can't imagine maybe that James would be the case. Maybe is giving him like free crab legs or something. I don't know. By the way, I'm, enough. <laughs> I'm very angry with myself because I went off of Chris Olave and on to Zach Ertz. Uh, Chris Olave, 106 yards receiving. Zach mm. Ertz, 21 yards receiving. As soon as the pick sixes started happening, I said, well, that Zach Ertz play is dead because Cardinals don't have much need to throw the football around anymore. Although, DeAndre Hopkins in his first game back, 10 catches on 14 targets. It was the only way that that Kyler Murray was looking. He goes over his receptions. He goes over his receiving yards. 10 catches, 103. Doesn't find the end zone. uh, and, And the rest, no one else... Saw the targets. Rondell Moore, just two targets. Zach Ertz, four targets. I mean, Greg Dortch had one target. So it's amazing. I, if I were the NFL, I would immediately check and make sure that Hopkins isn't all geared up again. <laughs> it's, uh, just, just saying, that looked looked pretty good. Uh, but either way, the uh, the Saints feel like suddenly their season is over. The Cardinals, who I said last week were maybe the most disappointing team relative to preseason expectation, get themselves a nice win, although I do feel like there was some luck involved. I will still be anti-Cardinals next week in Minnesota. By the way, Thursday night, we've had some stinkers. Got a good one next week, it looks like, at least on paper. Tampa and Baltimore mm. next week. So and, and we had points last night. Oddly enough, what we didn't that's funny because the college games the the two college games had a combined 41 points scored in them. So Fun. there was a 16-9 game and a 10-6 game in college football last night. So the NFL is like, oh, we'll put on a show, baby. <laughs> We're putting on a show. The Houston Astros take a two games to none series lead over the New York Yankees in the American League Championship Series. A 3-2 win last night. Framber Valdez pitched well. As the Yankees continue to struggle to make contact, AJ, 30 strikeouts in two games against Justin Verlander, Framber Valdez, and the Astros bullpen. Yeah, this was a very dominant performance by Framber, who, I mean, the the, the earned runs or the, the runs weren't earned. They were well, on his ma- error. He made the error, yeah. Uh, but th- it was a really, like, the, the Yankees scratching across a couple runs that they probably should have never done. I mean, the Yankees offense has been shut down in this game, in this series so far. And we knew the Astros pitching was good. And let's face it, the Astros bats haven't exactly like well, that's exploded. What I was say. We have to give credit to the Yankee pitching as well, because Jameson Tyone and then Luis Severino, the Astros scored three runs on a what second inning Alec, Breg- Alex it. Bregman home run. That was all, that was all their runs. Third, and uh, what was that third inning? Excuse me, bottom of the third inning. Bregman hits the three run shot. That's it. They didn't score. Jose Altuve is over twenty two in the playoffs. Yeah, and and that was like it, it wasn't. It was just a one mistake pitch. Severino was sharp last night. I thought, and he... and, and go figure. Bregman's home run ninety one miles per hour off the bat. Aaron Judge's fly out to right field hundred and six miles per hour off the bat. That's baseball season. I, and then Aaron Boone, Luis Severino, both crying about like it's. Yeah, I don't think the roof being opened affected it or whatnot. Did, did the wind was there? Was there wind really? Are they going to close the, the roof at Yankee Stadium? Yeah. <laughs> but at Yankee Stadium, quit your ju- bitching. That judge shot would have been a home exactly. run. <laughs> was it the only park where it would have been no, a home run? There was two. Parks, okay, two parks. Yeah, they said on the broadcast last night it was the only park yeah. it would be a home run in. But yeah, just. Uh, 
Judge almost had one late, didn't get there, and Ryan Presley came in and had a really impressive ninth inning, three strikeouts in the ninth, and the Astros seal the deal three to two. Okay, so I'm going to ask you. Astros minus 700 for the series, Yankees plus 550. There is an old cliche in sports that have series that a series truly doesn't begin until a team loses a home game. If everybody holds serve, it gets to a seventh game, and that's why you have home field advantage. The Yankees going back to the Bronx, yes, they trail 2-0, but if they handle their business at home, a game on Saturday that Garrett Cole will start, early line is Yankees minus 155, no word yet on the starting pitcher for the Astros, and then on Sunday... I can tell you who it'll be. It'll be Lance McCullers. Okay. So Garrett Cole versus McCullers. Yankees are favored. Nestor Cortez gets the start in game four. Yankees will be probably a slight favorite in that game as well. And if this series is 2-2, the Yankees have game five at home on Monday uh, Monday afternoon. We'll see what they do with their... or games. Uh, yeah, game five, we'll see what they do with their starting pitching then. This This could still be a series. You sound hopeful. I'm just trying to play both sides here. You're not trying to play both sides. You're trying to play one side. It's just a very tough side to play. I Listen. But have the Astros really done enough to show you that this series is over? Should they even be favored in this series? I mean, they're only up 2-0. Well, right? They've given up one earned run not, in 18 innings. Let's not go crazy here. <laughs> I'm just saying. The offense isn't really doing anything. Neither is the Yankees. But if I'm confident in, in a lineup to come around, I'm confident in the Yankees and the Bronx to come around. Uh, listen, here's the here's the difference between these two teams. The Astros, the offense hasn't been great, but they're making good contact. Sure. The Yankees are striking out at a tremendous clip. Too many strikeouts. Which is, Absolutely. is really concerning. And I mentioned this on yesterday's show, and I'll say it again. I, I think Garrett Cole's an incredible pitcher. The Astros are a nightmare matchup for him because while he, those while he is an incredible pitcher, he, th- he gives up a lot of home runs, and you can't come in and just be like, I'm going to blow my fastball by you, Astros. That kind of baseball doesn't work against that Houston lineup. Mm, they're good. He does know them, though. Maybe there's a little bit of uh, familiarity. And-, and Lance McCullers has been fantastic this season. 2.27 ERA since he's been back from the IL. And I, I don't know. I I. I to me, the Astros are just a bad matchup stylistically for the Yankees. So here's, and then you add in the fact that everything got set up for the Astros because they took care of business quickly against the Mariners and the Yankees had to fight with the Guardians. Here's Garrett Cole's uh, versus the Astros. Uh, there is only one batter that has an above 300 batting average against Garrett Cole, and that's Martin Maldonado, who is 4 for 12 in his career against Garrett Cole. That's it. Uh, Christian Vasquez has faced him the most because he was with the Red Sox. Yeah. So 263 average, and he's got five. What's the sample size on these? They can't be much. The Astros haven't played Garrett Cole much. No, right. Vasquez, 19 at-bats. Trey Mancini, 18 at-bats, obviously with the Orioles. Michael Brantley, 15 at-bats. Uh, Maldonado, 12. Altuve, 10. Jordan Alvarez, 10. Bregman, 9. Uh, Alemis Diaz, 9. Yuli Gori, uh, 7. Kyle Tucker, 7. Kyle Tucker, 0 for 7 against Garrett Cole. Yuli Gurriel, one for seven against Garrett Cole. Jordan Alvarez, two for ten. Um, Jose Altuve, two for ten. Wow, Jordan Alvarez has struck out seven times in ten at-bats against Garrett Cole. 
That's pretty good. Garrett Cole's got good numbers. Meanwhile, who's your boy? Lance, Lance McCullers. McCullers. Your boy Lance? Yep. Let's see Lance McCullers against the Yankees. See how his numbers stack up here. All right. Lance McCullers has only faced four Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> and Isaiah Kiner Falefa has the most picked 16 at-bats because of his time with the Texas Rangers. So uh, IKF, four of 16. Aaron Judge, two of 11 against uh, McCullers. Aaron Hicks, three for nine. And Andrew Benintendi, who is not on the roster right now, two of eight. Okay. So not a lot of sample size for McCullers, more of a sample size for Cole. I'm backing the Yankees in a desperation spot in game Of game course three. you are. Yeah. I'm, Why not just take uh, the series price now? I am going to do it. Plus 550. I'll do okay. it. Okay. I'll throw a little throw a sprinkle on there. I, well, all right. Well, little, what, are you, what happens if they lose game three? little salt base sprinkle. What's, what's, your, what's your mentality if they lose game three? We won't be on the air, unfortunately. We won't have if to they have lose a show game, to do. If they lose game three, I'm you confident wave the white flag? the series is over. Okay. Because uh, it has only happened one time in the history of the sport, and it was against the Yankees. Yeah. When the Red Sox came back in 04. So if the Yankees lose, the series is completely over, which is why I'm going to bet on the Yankees to win that game. Okay. Well, I wish you luck. I will not be riding with you on this. A two-game NBA slate last night. The Bucks defeated the Sixers 90-88 as Milwaukee covers as a four-point road dog winning outright. So, McKenzie, Doc Rivers on the hot seat, right? I mean, he was on the hot seat. You know, the end of last year, the the report was that the Lakers and the and the Sixers were playing a little game of chicken where the Sixers thought, yeah, he'll, he'll go to the Lakers, but at least we'll get a draft pick or something. And Lakers are like, well, he's going to leave the Sixers. We can get him for free. <laughs> and neither happened, but I would not be surprised if uh, he's on a different team before the end of the year. Now, 2-0 or 0-2 straight up in ATS. Uh, the only good thing about the Sixers season so far is that James Harden looked decent. Yeah, Harden, 31 points, 8 boards, 9 assists. Giannis had 21 points and 13 boards. What was your big takeaway from this game? Now, this is back-to-back games where the MVP favorite for much of last year, Joel Embiid, has not looked good. Uh, It doesn't seem like a coincidence that James Harden looks like James Harden again, and Embiid doesn't really fit in. So that seems like there's a little bit of power struggle there. I wonder if they can both get him going at the same time. I got an idea. Trade Harden (laughs) midseason. Harden and Doc Rivers for Paul George. Who says no? Uh, trade him for Russell Westbrook. Just send him to the Lakers. Do something. Um, yeah, spe- both, both of those teams need a shakeup. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Westbrook, he goes 0 for 11 in the nightcap. The Lakers losing to the Clippers 103 97 in the return of the claw. Indeed. And now four, or I'm sorry, let me t- speak from Kawhi's perspective. Nine and four straight up in ATS since those 2014 15 finals or 2013, 14, rather, when LeBron, that's that famous clip where he's shooting free throws, and then Kawhi enters the game, he's, you know, he reacts. Since that time, Kawhi has dominated this matchup, which surprised me that this prop uh, for LeBron points total tonight was 29 and a half. Now, 13 games in a row, he's not scored over 28 against Kawhi. That was a crazy number. Do you think that that number was there just because it was announced that Kawhi was going to come off the bench? Yeah, I mean, oh. I thought that was part of it. That was the reason why the total was so high and went up higher when he was announced to the bench. So up more up and down game, more points for LeBron makes sense to me. Um, it's funny. Bill Simmons on his podcast said after the first game that he thinks the Lakers are going to bail on competing early and it's all going to be about LeBron scoring. I wonder if that kind of talk is why this was, in my opinion, three points higher than it should have been. Because LeBron, uh, he's, he's approaching a milestone, right? Yeah. You might have heard of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He... For the last 30 years, since the early 80s, has been the NBA all-time points leader. The guy he, from Airplane? 
Exactly. Right. <laughs> it's crazy. It's tough getting up and down with Lambert on your on you. He's going to pass him. LeBron is, and he's going to be the all-time leading scorer. And he's not even a scorer first player. Wow, it's amazing. That's absolutely wild. Uh, so Lakers now 0-2. The Clippers, uh, everyone's darling. Everyone's picked to win the NBA Finals. Where do you have them power rated? Are the Clippers your top team, your favorites to win the NBA Finals? I think I like the Warriors project a little bit more. The buy-in and just the history of success. But power ratings-wise, I have the Warriors 6.5 better than an average team and the Clippers 6.5 better than an average team. But by the end of the season, if Kawhi's not coming off the bench, if he looks like Kawhi again, which he did for long stretches of this game, they're the most talented team. If they can match the chemistry of the Warriors, they should be the title favorite. Market agrees with you. Uh, Clippers and Warriors both 6-1 to one to win the NBA Finals. We have a busy sports night here on Friday night. Forgot to mention that last night, AJ, was the sports equinox. We had all four sports at the same time. It's wild, huh? Yeah, absolutely wild. Uh, so and, and college football. And college football. Yeah. So it's like an, uh, an extra bonus. But it's just going to be an exciting weekend. The playoff baseball, the NBA, the NHL, and obviously college football and the NFL. So let's set the stage with a massive look ahead, starting with the action here on Friday. NLCS Game 3 from Philadelphia. The Padres and Phillies are tied at a game apiece. Joe Musgrove against Ranger Suarez. Ranger Suarez. And what a San name. Diego is a minus 115 favorite with a total of 7.5. Listen, if Musgrove's still going to have that red shiny ear, he's going to continue to pitch well. And I just think that the Phillies are a strong bet every time you're giving me plus money. In this spot, though, you agree this is one of the spots where San Diego has a pitching San advantage. San Diego, that's what I was going to say. You're in my head now. San Diego us. has the pitching edge. Musgrove has only allowed two runs this postseason in two starts. So I might actually look towards a first five under, the total seven and a half. And I'm just thinking about how Ranger Suarez looked against Atlanta. And I don't think he's going to go deep into the game. Musgrove has looked great. I can see these two teams trading zeros for the first three innings or so uh, before they get settled in. But this is the all-important game. We hear the stats all the time. Teams that win game three of a 1-1 series tie go on to win X amount of times. It's more times than they lose, okay? I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I can guarantee you it's more times than they lose. Can you get them? You want me to get them? No. All right. All right, let's move on to the association. That's what the kids call it, right, McKenzie? Indeed. Yeah, the Chicago Bulls, they are plus one and a half at the Washington Wizards. That doesn't seem right, uh, but that is the actual line. The San Antonio Spurs, oh boy, the Spurs look so bad early. Plus three and a half at the Pacers. The Pelicans, who had a really good start to the season, they are minus six at the Hornets. The Raptors, two-and-a-half-point dogs at the Nets. The Boston Celtics, minus two-and-a-half at the Miami Heat. And, McKenzie, it's been a pretty massive line move in this game. Yeah, this opened up as Heat minus one, now Celtics minus two-and-a-half. Let's take it back 365 days. Almost a year ago today, the Celtics were plus six-and-a-half. Same rosters at Miami. This shows you the progress this young Celtics team has had over the past year. Pretty unbelievable. The D- Detroit Pistons, plus six and a half at the New York Knickerbockers. The Orlando Magic, eight and a half point dogs at the Atlanta Hawks. The Memphis Grizzlies, five and a half point favorites at Houston. The Utah Jazz catching eight and a half at Minnesota. The Denver Nuggets, five and a half point dogs at 
Golden State, and the late game, the Phoenix Suns, favored by four at the Trailblazers. Let's go to the ice. Just a short three-game schedule. The Lightning visit the Panthers. Florida, a minus, uh, actually, this is even both ways. So we got minus 110 both ways, but uh, the Lightning are actually favored on the puck line. So it gives you a little uh, indication of where the market is moving right now. The Lightning, it's, it's minus one and a half is massive plus money, but this is a one minus 110 both ways total of six and a half juice to the over. Red Wings are in Chicago to take on the Blackhawks. Red Wings minus 125, total of six and a half juice to the under. And the Kraken are in Colorado to take on the Avalanche. Colorado are massive, minus 275 favorite, total of six and a half juice to the over. College football, two games on the slate tonight. We'll start with Tulsa, minus 13 at the Temple Owls, total in that game is 52 and a half. And then UAB, here I'm in a conundrum, boys. UAB is plus one and a half at Western Kentucky. I like UAB to win this game outright. Here's my question. In my last man standing contest, 40 people left. Mm-hmm. UAB plus two and a half. Do I give up all the information that could happen over the course of, you know, from... 5 p.m. Friday night till 8 a.m. Saturday morning because I really like UAB. What are your thoughts? So the one benefit you'll get if you do win, you're just having a free and easy Saturday. You're not worried about this last man standing. I'd probably drink some whiskey. But if you lose it, now you're going to be kicking yourself because all the games I would have played. At every result that comes through on Saturday, going should have played this, should have played this, should have played this. Mackenzie, I don't your, know if I, I don't know if I'd want to walk that line. What's your contest theory on playing one of the early games? It's one of the worst decisions you can make. <laughs> I mean, any half point of information that you get from Thursday to Sunday, it probably makes it so you can't bet it. And multiple half point information moves, it makes it where you really, even if I mean, I suppose it's the very same question. He said if you had an 80% chance to win and you knew that, it would be a marginal play to play the Thursday game. Okay, let's discuss this then. If this game, and by the way, it's tra- right now it's minus one and a half, pl- and you, you get minus 07. So you're reduced juice if you want Western Kentucky one and a half right now. If this game is a pick by kickoff this evening, and I'm getting plus two and a half, what then? I still I still think the the shrewd move is to I mean cuz you have seven other picks to make, right? No, just one pick. This is my last man standing entry. Oh, I thought you guys were talking about the eight pick college no, football. This is contest. one play only, friend. So you're guaranteed two and a half point lines of value. You could get more than that in the weekend, but I think you got to consider playing it. I mean, that's one maybe that's the best you can do. Okay, so I'm not as foolish as you initially thought. Yes, sorry about that. I uh, was more foolish than you. <laughs> all right, looking ahead to the weekend on Saturday. College football extravaganza. Card's not quite as pretty on paper as it was last week, but but there are a few top twenty-five matchups. In in fact, we'll let's kick off the day with a battle of unbeaten's. The orange on orange, the Q's plus thirteen and a half at the Clemson Tigers. I know you like Syracuse quite a bit. I certainly won't lay points, double-digit points with Clemson especially against a pretty decent team in Syracuse. Yeah, I, I feel like I'd feel, I'd feel a lot more confident if we get this thing to 14. You know, the 13 and a half is... I think the fact the book isn't going to 14 yeah, yet tells you something. Should tell us that Syracuse is the right side. Or they're afraid that if it goes to 14, they're going to get hammered with Syracuse money. Another noon start, Iowa, plus 29 and a half at Ohio State. Ew. 
I like this at 28 and a half. Ew. Like the fact that the money's pouring in against me. I think everybody's just so anti Iowa. They can't it, score. If scored the least amount of touchdowns in college football. You know how many you know how many points Michigan scored last week against Iowa? 27. If Ohio State scores 27, <laughs> I guarantee Iowa covers this game. Guaranteed. Lock it in. So that I'm asking you Iowa. I'm asking you give me one touchdown. One touchdown. That's it's not too much to ask. 3:30 start. UCLA unbeaten. UCLA catching six and a half points at Oregon. I like the Ducks here. I think this is where UCLA kind of comes back down to earth. And Oregon, after dropping that game to Georgia to start the year, has actually looked really good. And I was impressed in that game against BYU. I know they had the hiccup against Washington State, but they still pulled away a victory. And I think this might be the best team in the Pac-12. The Texas Longhorns, six-point road favorites at Oklahoma State. Texas is expensive right now. Yeah. Well, Quinn Ewers back. They look good. Yeah. Hard to bet against. It's fun. They're fun to watch. Yeah. But, yeah, six is a lot on the road. This one's surprising. The seventh-ranked unbeaten Ole Miss Rebels plus two-and-a-half at LSU. Doesn't that tell you something? It, it kind of – I mean, it's almost like the UCLA thing. Yeah. Like, it, unbeaten UCLA plus six-and-a-half at Oregon. Unbeaten Ole Miss plus two-and-a-half at like LSU. I still like Ole Miss in this spot. It scares me a little. Uh, Mississippi State – Plus 21 at Alabama. Bama off a loss. You want to get in front of that bear? Not not a chance. And then the 8 p.m. Eastern game, Kansas State plus three and a half at TCU. Talked about this on the college football pod. Uh, we both like TCU in this game. Adrian Martinez has yet to throw an interception. He's going to have to throw the ball against TCU to keep up with this offense. I'm betting he throws one. Saturday. He's also only thrown four touchdown passes the yeah. entire season. Can't, can't beat TCU doing that. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting to tell you guys about UFC 280. I think this is one of, if not the best fight card of the year. Charles Oliveira, Islam Makashev for the lightweight title in Abu Dhabi. You got to wake up early tomorrow. If you want to watch these fights, if you're on the West Coast, you got to wake up at 7 a.m. to start watching if you want to watch the prelims. But the prelims are good. Second fight on the prelims, a guy named Muhammad Makayev, who might be the biggest prospect in the UFC right now. Uh, but there's a there's a ton of star power on this main card. I mentioned Oliveira and Makashev. Oliveira, who got stripped of his title, but has beat everyone of late. And Makashev, who is the protege of Khabib Nurmagomedov, so that's a big fight. Aljamain Sterling, TJ Dillashaw for the bantamweight title. Piotr Jan versus Sean O'Malley, one of the most popular fighters in the UFC right now. And O'Malley's a dog. A massive dog. And Benil Dariush against Matus Gamrat. So, uh, so Talk to me about Jan O'Malley, because from a an outsider looking in, O'Malley's one of the most popular guys on on the web right now. Why isn't he attracting the money? Do you think he's going to attract money closer to the fight time? Is he a solid underdog pick here, or is Peter Jan just too good? Yeah, Peter Jan's too good. And, too good. and Jan has, I mean, O'Malley's pulled in some money, and then other money said, no thanks, we're going to mm. go back to Jan. This is just a big step up for O'Malley. And really, O'Malley's had two fights in his career. He's beat up a lot of bummy guys. Good, and, you know, you got to build yourself up somehow. He's had two, guy, two fights against top-level guys, one was against Cheeto Vera. He got pounded out. He hurt his foot. 
got pounded out. He call, he says it wasn't a loss because mm-hmm. it was a, a fluky injury. But he wasn't winning that fight when he got put out. And then the last fight in July against Pedro Munoz, which was here at T-Mobile in Las Vegas, he was getting pieced up, and he poked Pedro Munoz in the eye, tore his retina, the fight couldn't go on, so that's a no contest. The two times he's been in there with someone who's at a higher level, he hasn't looked dominant. Piotr Jan is a world ahead of Cheeto Vera or Pedro Munoz. This is going to be by far the best guy to step in front of Sean O'Malley. And, like, Sean O'Malley's been this guy that nobody wants to strike with. Piotr Jan's not afraid. To, he, <laughs> Jan has lost two fights and to Aljamain Sterling, one by controversial disqualification, a fight where he he beat the brakes off Sterling mm. and then kneed him in the face while he was on the ground in the last couple minutes of the fight. DQ'd. The rematch, very back-and-forth fight, very close, but Aljamain Sterling basically just held on to him for dear life didn't let Jan have his game. O'Malley's not going to hold on to you. O'Malley's going to say, let's throw. Piotr Jan's going to be very glad to throw with Sean O'Malley. I'm going to give you guys a best bet, though, on the main event. Charles Oliveira, plus 160 in the main event here against Makashev. And this matchup's been brewing for a long time. I think we see the best of both fighters here. To me, there's two advantages that the underdog has. The first is his striking. Oliveira's commitment to advancing his stand-up has paid huge dividends. He's now thrown with power. Forget about defense because even if he gets dropped, he is so comfortable on his back that guys will drop him, okay. and then instead of going down and hitting him, yeah. they step back and say, get up, come on. <laughs> so they keep giving him another chance. So unless you knock him out clean, and Cub Swanson's the only guy who's done that, and for that you're going back 10 years, Makashev is not a power punch. Makashev is a wrestler, a grinder. Uh, the other positive for Charles is his strength of schedule. Oliveira has been in the cage with Cowboy Cerrone, Frankie Edgar, weak. well, Edgar not weak. Max Holloway, Anthony Pettis, Tony Ferguson, Michael Chandler, Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethy. Does he fight only guys over thirty-five? Well, he's fought them over a ten-year <laughs> yeah, period. Yeah. But all th- what those eight guys have in common, every one of them has been a UFC champion or fought for a UFC championship. Makashev has never faced an opponent that was in the top five. Mm, wow. This is, a, this is a huge step up for him. Makashev relies on wrestling, but any grappling exchange with Oliveira is dangerous. This, he holds the UFC record for submissions. I think plus 160 is a disrespectful price on a quote former, quote finger, former yeah. champion that has proven himself against the best in the world. Give me Oliveira plus 160 in the main event. Let's set the stage for NFL Week 7 Sunday. The action will get started with the Falcons and the Bengals from Cincinnati. Bengals 6.5-point favorites, total of 47.5. Falcons, the only undefeated ATS team in the league, AJ, 6-0 ATS. Yeah, the Bengals have really made a change. At least last week it seems like they made a change. They started to throw the ball. They finally figured out, wow, we've got three high-level wide receivers and a top-tier quarterback Maybe we shouldn't be a run-first team, and if they stick with that, Atlanta 31st in EPA per dropback, this is the kind of team that you can really exploit through the air. Falcons still not healthy on offense. I like the Bengals here. The Lions take on the Cowboys in Arlington. Dallas, seven-point favorites, total of 49 in the return of Dak Prescott. I think things kind of line up well for Detroit here. It feels like coming off a bye, 
And just the situation, Dan Campbell, under Dan Campbell, the Lions are 6-0 and coming off a double-digit loss. We know this team fights. They don't quit. They're never out of a game. Plus seven feels like a lot of points with an offense that I expect to be conservative even with Dak back. Colts visit the Titans, Tennessee, two-and-a-half-point favorites, total of 42. You and I on the Dream Pod this week were both on – actually, we were on opposite, opposite sides. sides, Because yeah. I was on the Colts, you were on the Titans. Have you changed your tune, or are you still on Tennessee? I, I'm still on Tennessee. Titans fourth in pass rush per PFF. The Colts' offensive line has not protected Matt Ryan. And Mike Vrabel, 4-0 and ATS coming off a bye. An average margin in those four games – Plus 19 points per game. Covering by 19 points per game off a bye. He has his boys prepared off that rest week. Yeah, for me, it's just about the Colts getting healthier. Jonathan Taylor, Naeem Hines, Shaq Leonard all returning to practice. So healthy Colts team, hungry to get revenge in the division. Uh, I like the Colts over the Titans. Packers visit the Commanders. Green Bay, four-and-a-half-point favorites. Total of 41-and-a-half. We've seen money coming on the Commanders. Yeah, the Commanders are the only side I could look at here. This is I, I don't think there's much of a downgrade from Taylor Heineke or to Taylor Heineke from Carson Wentz. If anything, I think it's a slight upgrade. And as for Rodgers, he's been below average this season, below average in QBR, below average in EPA per dropback, and it just is not making the big throws that he's made the last few years. Packers have won one game by more than a field goal this year. That was against the Bears. Commandos aren't the Bears. And Aaron Rodgers talking about how the Packers need to simplify the offense. That's not good for your quarterback to say. And and I guess the offense was wasn't too simple last year. How about the this? year before that? Or the Th- year before that? Throw the ball to the receivers. Receivers catch the ball. That's pretty simple. Yeah. That's how it's worked for a long time in Green Bay. The Bucks now up to 13 point favorites against the Christian McCaffrey less Panthers. Yeah, could I couldn't I can't find a way to back the Panthers here. Mm-hmm. The, the, the Bucks have dominated, dominated this series since Tom Brady got here. Uh, Bucks were double-digit favorites in both games last year, outscored Carolina by 50 in those two games. So I, I don't expect the Bucks to have any problem. They need a get-right game. I think this is it. Giants visit the Jaguars. The Jags are three-point favorites, total of 43. I'm on the disrespected G-men. I just don't get it. I don't get the Jaguars' love each and every week. This team just draws a lot of market interest, and the Giants are being disrespected here. I think Daniel Jones and and his incredible record on the road gets the job done here. I leaned against you, but there's three and a halfs popping now. And that's just wild to me. So it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, I would have leaned to the Jags at, at three, at three and a half. There's, I, there's no way I can take the Jags. So I, I'm with you. I, I'm, I think the Giants are being a little disrespected here. I think overall, maybe not disrespected, but in this situation, I think it's getting a little bit. From wild. my perspective, it's like, what does this team have to do to start earning respect? If they blow out the Jaguars here on Sunday, that means nothing. Uh, exactly. So the books are still going <laughs> to yeah. keep lining them up as underdogs. Uh, Browns, Is this the worst nine and one team will be saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every, every week, McKenzie, that's what it's going to be. The Browns visit the Ravens, Baltimore, six and a half point favorites, total of 45 and a half. And you look at that three and three record next to the Ravens. And you just wonder a couple of fourth quarter stops. They could be five and one, six and zero. Oh, dare I say? Yeah, and I'll tell you what scares me. If you like the Browns this week, their defense has not looked right, especially against the run. And in the last three weeks, the the Ravens are the best DVOA run offense. Mm. In the first three weeks, they were below average. The last three weeks, they figured something out. Last week, eight point eight yards per carry against the Giants on the ground. They ran the ball at will. 
And they held Sa- Saquon Barkley to 83 yards on 22 rushes. So if the, if you're running the ball really well and you can stop the run, you've got everything you need to beat the Browns. Ravens have trailed for just 120 seconds this season, and they're 3-3. Three and three. That's wild. The Jets visit the Broncos. This line dropping down. The Jets are now a one-point favorite over Denver. I don't I, – I can't get there. Like, listen, I think the Broncos are bad. Do you think that Russell Wilson does not play? I don't care if Russell Wilson plays. Because I, I, Brett I, Rippon has, is starting to get reps in practice. Yeah, I, I, I thought that he would play when we did the Dream Pod. Him taking reps at practice worries me. But I think the Broncos' defense is the best in the league, and I think they're about to feast against like a one-dimensional offense. Mm-hmm. The one-dimensional offense of the Jets has worked in some of these games. I don't think it works against this Broncos' defense. Total is 38, but the under would oh be the only God. way I'm looking at this game. Texans visit the Raiders. Both teams coming off buys. Both teams just one win on the season. Vegas, a seven-point favorite. It's hard for me to get to the Raiders giving seven points. It, it just doesn't feel right. I'm not high on the Texans, although I do think they get a little bit of a boost from the firing of Jack Easterby. I think there's some buzz in the building. Mm. I think there's some buzz with the fans. Unfortunately, this game in Las Vegas uh, for Houston fans. Chargers take on the Seahawks and L.A. Five-point favorite with a total of 50. I actually like the over in this game. Uh, That wouldn't shock me. Uh, I think the Seahawks are maybe being a little bit disrespected. And the Chargers, if you're going to be a great team, you've got to blow out bad teams. And the Chargers just have not done that this year. The Raider game was close to the end. Texans were down three with under three minutes. Uh, The Browns were a missed field goal away from beating him. Denver beats the Chargers if they don't muff a punt late in the game. Like, where are the Chargers wins where they say, you know what, we're the Chargers. We've got a lot better players than you. We're going to smash you. The Seahawks, who I think are better than a lot of people think, I I, I like the Seahawks here. Market agreeing with you as this line goes from plus six to plus five, which is a huge move getting off a number of six. Uh, The Chiefs visit the 49ers. Kansas City laying two on the road, total of 48 and a half. I talked at the beginning of this show how excited I was about the 49ers. That starts next week. Uh, when, so not this Sunday. Once they integrate Christ, Christian McCaffrey. But do you think I, he puts on a uniform and runs out of the tunnel and gets the crowd I, excited? I don't think they do. I, but really, this is just about the injuries in the secondary for the 49ers still not being cleared up. Uh, it, it's just it's a, like they, they, they went into that game missing six defensive starters last week, and they lost two more during the game. The Chiefs were just, you know, Blow for blow with the Buffalo Bills, the best team in the mm-hmm. league. It's if the if the 49ers were full strength, I'd like the 49ers plus two, two and a half. At this version of the 49ers, I, I just can't get there. I don't think the Chiefs blow out these 49ers either. I think it's like a three point win. So I, that's why the, the two, two and a half. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm not saying the Chiefs are going to go in and put up a hundred on them because I I really do believe in this 49ers defense. But last week. I kind of got punched in the balls because I was like, oh, 49ers are missing some defensive pieces. Won't matter. That's how good they are. And the Falcons had their way a little bit. Sunday Night Football, the Dolphins host the Steelers. The return of Tua Tungavailoa, Miami laying seven. Yeah, I want nothing to do with this game because I get Tua's going to start. I don't know if Tua's going to finish the game. I, I, I don't know who's going like, to start for the Steelers. I actually like the Dolphins in this spot. I think this is a fade of the Steelers coming off a big upset win against the Tampa Bay Bucks, and in a spot where I, I think I don't I don't want to say they sold out, but that was an emotional win for them. I feel like they picked themselves up after getting blown 
out of the stadium by the Buffalo Bills. Flat out embarrassed. And that was an inspired effort last week against Tampa Bay. Can they pull it off again here on the road against the Dolphins team that is going to look re-energized with Tua back under center, or rather Tua in the shotgun, and with the skill position players looking to make plays, especially considering they've lost three straight games and they need to pick themselves up. There's a trend here. Since 2017, the Pittsburgh Steelers playing at night, 9-17 and 17 against the spread. Not a good primetime team. So I'm going to fade the Steelers off that win, and I'm going to back two on the Dolphins. Steelers defense giving up 29 points per game on the road this year. That's the third worst in the league. That ain't good against this Dolphins offense. No. So that's your schedule for Sunday. We'll preview Monday Night Football coming up on Monday mornings. I'm exhausted. Show. We've done enough. <laughs> We've done enough. Well, we are not done doing enough for you. Because if you go to pregame.com, we're doing it all for you. We're giving you 20% off any package at pregame.com. Buy AJ's UFC package. He's been looking forward to this card forever. Get it now. Because it's Saturday morning. Well, I, yeah, you better hurry if it's on Saturday morning. I, I, this is uh, I was six and zero last week, plus eleven and a half units. Good so we parlay all your picks this week. That's not my recommendation. But <laughs> I, I give the information. You do what you want with it, friend. You can get AJ's UFC package. You can jump on board with my NHL package. The ice has been good to us, my friends. Fourteen and two record to start the NHL season, including. Three-star best bet winner on the Golden Knights last night. And you can always jump on board with Mackenzie Rivers' NBA package. Mackenzie, up 53 units last year, right? Uh, 64. Yeah, okay. No, it was 53%, though. That's what it was. No, no, it was 57. No, I thought it was 55. 57.3, right, Mackenzie? 57.3 is correct. Yeah. 57%. Up 64 units in the NBA. You can get McKenzie's uh, NBA package. Use the promo code NEW20, N-E-W-20. We're going to give you 20% off any package you want at pregame.com. And for you NBA fans, there is a contest that we're running to beat McKenzie Rivers, and it's free to enter. The Beat McKenzie Rivers NBA contest, it's on now. Enter for free. The contestant who earns the most NBA units will get $500 cash. And if you win more units than McKenzie did last year, which was 64.03 units, that winner will get an additional $500. So $1,000 cash, free to enter. Just head to pregame.com, click on contests, and enter for your chance to win. For Mackenzie Rivers and AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. Have a great weekend. We are straight out of Vegas AM.